cry forever. So alone. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast with your hosts, Mary. That's me. And I'm Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Hello, Mary. How are you today? Um, well, it's not been the best of days because I got a, <laughs> Likewise. Yeah, got a sick cat, but hopefully uh, we've got some meds now and we'll have that Poor taken kitty. care of. My work is stupid too. and your work is stupid. And then I get home from work and I'm like, my brain is broken and I'm so tired. And then I was like, and then I'm like, let's go look and see if we can buy stargazing.space. Yay! That's fantastic. That would be such a great website. <laughs> I've got some tea now. I'm drinking hot tea because it's September excellent. and I can have hot tea and not die. That is an excellent choice. I have also had not the best of days, so I am going for the beers. Nice. Um, the the home-brewed beers, Ooh. so I can't tell you exactly <gasps> what it is, but it's delicious. I can tell you that much. Nice. Mm-hmm. I forgot to try Jeff's homebrew. Mm. Oh dear. I'm a, well, I'm a monster. We'll probably still have some left for my birthday when you eventually have to come back over yes. here. Yes. And now it's had a little bit more time to like. It wasn't quite ready. Okay. Then it was like almost ready, but now it's had time to properly finish carbonating and chilling, and it's very delicious. It's quite bitter and tasty. Ooh. Full of hoppy goodness. It sounds perfect. It really is. I love it, and I would drink it. Way more often um, if I wasn't trying to not be a garbage person. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I'm drinking tea. <laughs> I'm trying, to, trying to at least use a little bit of self-restraint because, you know, when the whole quarantine thing started, I was definitely not using self-restraint. And uh, we went through a whole keg of beer from someplace else in a week between the two of us. So this keg, this keg should last a little longer than a week, ideally, especially since I am now working like 60 hours a week and uh, Jeff is also working full time. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to tell you how fast I've gone through some hard liquor bottles during this pandemic. <laughs> no judgment. It's, no yeah, judgment. It's been bad. But so <laughs> I am trying to lay off unless I have a social reason to be enjoying beverages. And since I live alone, that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, well I, well, I was going to say I'm not being social right now, but I guess I'm kind of being social, yeah. even though you're not drinking beer and you're also not here. It's kind of social. If I had beer, I would socially drink it with you right now, but I yeah. drink all of my alcohol. All of it. Oh. I was going to say good for you, uh, but then I guess that means that you actually drank everything that you had, <laughs> so I don't know how good that really is. <laughs> I was going to say good for you for not having it in the house, but if the reason is because you drank a bunch of yeah, it fast. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, so far I've resisted the urge to replace it, so Oh, that's yeah. good. Good for you for that, it's then, been, at least. You know, I don't know. When was the weekend over? I don't know what day it is anymore. It is uh, Wednesday? Yeah, so Wednesday. it lasted through the it weekend. Like... <laughs> <laughs> nice. It feels like it should be Saturday already, um, but here we are on Wednesday. Still Wednesday. Dear God. But at least we have a fun podcast to do to distract we ourselves do. from everything else. <laughs> I hope I have fun things to say. I had a... We haven't introduced you yet. Sorry. I'll... <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I don't know how much fun stuff I'll have to say yeah. either, but 
here we are. I don't even remember what happened in this episode. Oh, wait, I watched it today. Yes, I do. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I was like, did I, when did I watch it? Oh, right, I today. watched it today, too, but that was because I forgot what happened when I, because I watched it on, like, Sunday night, and that was, oh, okay. you know, a thousand years ago now. And... Yes. Yes, even a few days feels like a yeah. thousand years now in the COVID times. So, yeah, so I was like, well, I've got an hour before this starts. Let's watch it. Yeah. Excellent. Let us go ahead and start talking about this episode, which was season one, episode six, The First Commandment. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so this this one opens up on uh, some uh, men being chased through the woods by people shooting arrows at them um, in face paint and huge helmets. And Don't forget the dart guns. And the dart guns. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one guy got hit with the dart gun, so he went down. These two guys, by the way, look like they're Stargate or Star yeah, Stargate Command soldiers, you know, whatever yeah. yeah. So one of the guys gets hit by an arrow and he's stumbling towards the gate as the other man reaches the Stargate and is trying to dial out of there. Um he even puts in his code uh to get mm-hmm. back through to Earth. Um but then notices his pal isn't with him anymore, so he goes back for him. Um, and the man on the ground, whose name is Frakes. It is Frakes. I couldn't tell if it was Franks or Frakes, Me. like Jonathan Frakes. And I, I was hoping it was Frakes because I was like, ah, oh, number one. Make it so, number one. I also could not tell. <laughs> and I was also <laughs> hoping for Frakes. And then at the, uh, in the, I think in the end credits, it actually had his name. So, as Frakes. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I have it alternating in my notes, too. I switch <laughs> back and forth between Franks and Frakes just yeah. to make sure I had my bases covered. It's important. It is. Very. Uh, but he's, uh, Franks is on the ground, and he's look- he looks up at the other guy and is like, go, basically, like, get out of here. And the man, you know, hesitates for a moment, but ends up leaving him as the people in their masks and with their arrows converge on the fallen guy, Franks. They surround him, and then a man in a hood. That was a hard word to remember. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a, that's a hard word, huh? <laughs> Robe with a hood. That's what I was trying yeah. to, like... <laughs> and, a, and a man in a robe who appears to be uh, in charge uh, tells him he's disappointed in him, and then straight up kills him. Yeah. Um, and they start to come, some of the guys start to go after the other soldier who has made his way back to the Stargate and then the gate closes, but not without him first hearing that gunshot and knowing that Frakes has been killed. Then not only do they kill him, they burn him. Yeah. That was horrifying. Yeah. Yes. Agree. I thought, uh, despite my complaints, a couple episodes ago about how I didn't like the costuming in that episode with like the Mickey Mouse hat and the Sydney Opera yeah. House hat. I thought that the masks that these guys had were pretty creepy. So I thought that the costuming team actually kind of did a good job with the warrior masks yeah. in this particular scene anyway. Agreed. Yeah. The whole thing was pretty creepy. I don't know. It and was. Yeah. Quite. It was an interesting opening. Yes. And then credits. <gasps> yeah. We get our credits. We don't really need to say that every time, but anyway. <laughs> I suppose I we don't, know. but we will. We can. It doesn't matter. 
After the credits, we're back on the forest planet, and this time SG-1 is coming through the gate. They're talking about the high UV radiation that's present on the planet and whether or not the plants are based on carbon. Spoiler alert, everything that we know of that lives is based on carbon, but whatever. (laughs) Daniel says that the Stargate seems to be in the middle of nowhere, and Carter notices that there are no bird sounds despite it being uh, a forest with really big, tall trees. A little while later... In the forest still, Daniel is wandering along and is taken captive by a guy in military dress. O'Neill pulls a gun on that guy in military dress, and we learn that this is actually Lieutenant Connor, who was the guy we saw in the opening that I had thought had actually gone through the gate when he opened the gate, but apparently he didn't. He stayed behind, presumably, to look for freaks. And Connor does recognize O'Neill and so pulls uh, takes his weapon down away from Daniel and O'Neill says that command received their signal that they were going to be coming through the gate and opening the iris hours ago but that no one came through so they came here to find out what happened Connor mentions the name Hansen so he just said Hansen and then says freaks and then all of a sudden he looks really startled like he's remembering what happened previously gets up and runs away we find him kneeling on the ground, looking at something that turns out to be dog tags, which I believe are Frake's dog tags and remains, actually, that he's kneeling at. And it turns out that Hansen was actually the commanding officer of this SG team, and uh, it seems that he has lost his mind since coming to the planet. No TV and no beer make Homer something something. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! (laughs) The locals now believe that Hansen is their god, and apparently Hansen also believes this as well. O'Neill asks Carter to take Connor back to Earth, but she says she is not going to go. So she's actually defying a direct order from her superior officer here, (laughs) because she can, quote-unquote, get to Hansen. And it turns out that she was actually engaged to him at some point. Connor says that he is also not going to go through the gate because he wants to go get retaliation for the fact that they killed Frakes, who was his friend. So there's conversation about, I hope you brought a lot of sunscreen because clouds and shades won't block UV, according to Sam, which is also true on this planet as well as any other planet, regardless of what that UV level might be. No way. (laughs) I mean, shade blocks it some, but not completely. And also, likewise, with clouds, it, well, clouds don't really block UV uh, a whole lot. Um, but anyway, apparently the locals have taken to living underground in order to escape the really harsh UV radiation during the day, and they only come out at night. Yeah, so we briefly flash to um, uh, who uh, an, uh, apparently another SG soldier uh, who's wearing a head covering standing outside a cave. He goes back in to report to the dad from Boy Meets World that they sent SG-1. That's what he was in. I was trying to remember. I was like, this guy looks so familiar. Because he had, the, But he had the beard. I was like, I know I yeah. know him, but I can't remember what he was from. That's yeah. it. He used to love that Me show. Me too. <laughs> So th- Thank you. And I meant to look it up, too, and I totally forgot. So I'm glad that you uh, I'm glad you had that answer. Oh, for yeah. me. <laughs> I, I, I'm familiar with the dad from Boy Meets World. <laughs> the dad from Boy Meets World rips off his dog tags and <laughs> stares dramatically into the camera at that information. And then we cut back to the SG team. The dad from Boy Meets World, we should probably add, is actually Hanson, <laughs> who they've been talking about. <laughs> 
should have gotten there eventually. <laughs> he, he's not actually the dad from Boy Meets World. Al- like, character-wise Alan Matthews, episode, you mean? That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very weird. As weird as French Stewart playing Freddy as Harry. So, <laughs> yes. See, I got that. Hip-hop street don't care about nothing. Yes. <laughs> True. Uh, we flash forward a few hours, and we're at the military camp that evening. Daniel mentions that the food tastes like chicken, which I can't help but thinking is a throwback reference to the movie, but he does not do any clucking or bucking this time, thankfully. <laughs> Tilk has set up a perimeter alarm, so if the, the locals do come up on them in the night, the alarms will go off and lights will be flashing to let them know before the, the natives, um, before the locals attack. Connor says that only the plants seem to be able to live very well on this planet, uh, except also all the people that are living on it, too. So he's kind of forgetting that there's also humans existing here in addition to Um, plants. Humans are better than animals, and therefore they don't count. They're smarter. If the animals were smart, (laughs) they wouldn't have gotten themselves dead. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Very good point. Thank you for that. Daniel wants to know how something like this could have happened because all of the SG teams are supposedly so well trained and they're supposed to be like the best of the best. And Connor says that the locals thought that they were gods when they came through, which Daniel says, yeah, that's pretty common. That happens on most planets that we go through because of the fact that like the ancients used to use those gates and uh, the Gua'uld are using those gates. So they think anyone that comes through the gates are, are, are gods at this point. And Hansen decided that it was probably good enough to go with it. So instead of correcting everybody like SG-1 typically does, Hansen's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're totally gods. That's fine. And Frakes, who was apparently the anthropologist, also agreed that it was fine to let them go on believing that. Connor continues to tell the story about how his fourth or fifth week there, a child wandered out of the cave and Hansen went after him and was gone for two days. He did bring the child back, but once he brought the child back after those two days out in the woods, he was never the same, which made me wonder how, like how long are the on these missions for? We get the impression that they're like a few days typically, but four or five weeks and no, and they're only just now looking for them. That made me really wonder about how the length of the mission. I was wondering that too. I was, and I was trying to think like if there were a valid reason for them to stay for that long, like if they did find something of cultural significance or if they found something of uh, technological significance that that might be a good reason to do it because those are their sort of missions but that's not really talked about in this episode like why they were there at all and they certainly like abandoned ship at the end so whatever it was wasn't that important they did have an anthropologist with them so i i mean i guess that maybe they're going to planets with the intention of staying for a while and trying to learn about the culture but that hasn't been my impression so far. Maybe it has to do with like where their ranking is in the SG system too. Maybe like the higher, higher SG numbers like SG one are only doing like those couple days reconnaissance, and maybe the the ones closer to nine are doing these longer cultural missions. That could be. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know, but yeah, but they're there a long time. <laughs> they are. There is speculation of what might have happened to him while he was out there, and whether or not he changed and was different because of the sun but connor thought that it was more than just that and a few people that were part of this tribe 
did actually start to question whether or not the SG team were really gods, but Hansen actually ended up having them punished for that by tying them to stakes and leaving them out in the sun for about seven days. By the time that they were cut down, they had been blinded by the sun and had severe bleeding burns, and they died very soon after that. Horrifying. Yes, extremely. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, Connor also points out, he'd rather be shot than go through that. (laughs) Yes, understandable. I think I (laughs) would as well. I'm sure that this... this is obviously just meant to show us like how over the edge this guy has actually gone to yeah. go from like uh, upstanding military guy to torturing the locals guy. So he's definitely had some kind of a break, psychological break while he was there. Yeah. So the next scene, uh, we have Hansen uh, walking out of the cave to survey some work being done outside. You hear the sounds of tools hitting rocks which really irritated me that sound made me crazy every time really? they used it throughout this episode there's something about it that just ah! oh I don't know. weird it didn't bother me at all yeah i don't th- something about that sound man yeah maybe i wonder if it has to do with the difference in our sound systems or if it's just a personal dislike of that, that could noise be i don't know mm. i also don't like the sound of loud keyboards so I don't mind that, which is good because Jeff's keyboard is super loud. I I hate it. It's I there. There was a time when I feel like when computers were not quite as ubiquitous, but were coming into it, where like a lot of like you'd find a lot of commercials where you'd hear typing, like oh yeah, and that would be the whole thing. There wouldn't even be any other sound. It would just be the sound of computer typing, Mm -hmm. and that was definitely like a nail chalkboard experience for me. Interesting. And this is kind of like that. So that was fun. I'm glad I didn't have that same issue. <laughs> Sucks to be Thank you. you. <laughs> I am glad you did not too. <laughs> so then we flip back on over to uh, the campsite uh, where the SG-1 is and Connor is. And Connor wakes up and heads over and offers to take over the watch. But then they start to hear some sounds and see some movement in the trees. And they are then surrounded again by uh, Hansen's folks. Who are shooting arrows at them again. An arrow narrowly misses Daniel. SG-1 are, they're firing out into the dark. Um, Teal's firing up into the trees, trying to like, fight back. That's, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I appreciate that they're not, I mean, I think one one guy actually did die, but they do for the most part seem to be trying yeah. to like fire up more to scare them rather than to actually hurt anyone since their weapons are so yeah. superior so that's yeah. nice that they do that i appreciate Me that too. they kind of wrote that into the script rather than having them just like blatantly destroy yeah all the, all the people with far inferior weapons and then those folks disappear again leaving sg1 standing there looking around to figure find out that they've taken connor mm, poor connor o'neill seems concerned <laughs> with good <Yes>. reason <laughs> then uh hansen and the his sg team member who i don't think ever gets named i didn't ever find a name for him i just kept calling him number, number one, one. that's name. that's a good one hansen and, and his number, number one, one are talking as they survey the work the the cave people are doing not to be confused with frakes right. who in this case is not number <laughs> one <laughs> no <laughs> this is some other guy different number one <laughs> Hansen comments that the temple is taking too long to build, and there's a back and forth where number one is like they're working as hard as they can, 
but Hansen has an idea. They can work longer if they split into teams and they work day and night. Oh boy, what a brilliant yes. idea. Uh, it is pointed out this will kill them. Mm-hmm. But he's like, sacrifice, man. Not yeah. very empathetic, that no, one. This is the only way to salvation or something, he says. And then I wrote a hole. Yeah. <laughs> he, is he is really he an is a-hole, really. yeah. <laughs> Back out in the woods, Daniel and Carter are having a little chat as they're walking. She mentions that they sent a message back to SG-1, just kind of updating them on what was happening, even though they didn't end up uh, actually sending anyone back through the gate as they had initially argued about. Sam says that Hansen has always been pretty controlling, and apparently he was in Black Ops. Black Ops. And that's kind of how she explains the reasoning behind why he's as controlling. And I guess it kind of had a little bit to do with why they why they broke up. But she said that he seemed to be doing okay last that she had seen him. SG-1 eventually finds the mine and the temple that the locals are working on building. And we see that the workers are toiling away despite the fact that it is daytime. And there's a bunch of people tied to posts outside, presumably as punishment. (laughs) There is the clinking noise that Kathy hates. And additionally, we hear groans of pain that are not Kathy's groans of pain, but they're actually like in the episode that are presumably the groans of pain of the locals who are being forced to uh, overwork out in the excessive UV radiation. We get a close up look through some binoculars and see that Connor is actually one of the people that's tied to a post out in the sun. O'Neill says he's going to be back in about 30 minutes. He plans to go and do some reconnaissance and just get a better look at what is going on and says to Carter that he might need a bit of coverage to help him get in. Tilk comments that if they keep working everybody like this, there is going to be nobody left to worship Hansen, which is a very valid point. And Daniel compares Hansen to Abraham in the Bible, which I am not familiar I, with because I don't read. I Bible. wasn't sure if they were comparing Daniel to, or Hansen to Abraham, or if they, he meant a comparison of the workers to Abraham because he talks about how Abraham is sacrificing, you know, is going to sacrifice his son to God. Oh yeah. And in this case, they're literally sacrificing their lives for Hansen's temple. He wants built. I don't know. That was how I interpreted it. I didn't really have an interpretation. So we'll go with your interpretation. Sure, I'm always right anyway. Yeah. (laughs) We see Hansen's number one is yelling at people and beating them with his fists and the butt of his gun. So super nice guy. Sam is getting really upset at this point, though, and she insists on going in to protect these people and to try to get through to Hansen. So she just gets up and runs off before anyone really has the chance to argue. Mm-hmm. We forward over to O'Neill, who is eyeing Connor and trying to scope out how he might be able to get Connor free. And then back in the camp, we see that Sam has gotten all the way up to number one. Nobody has stopped her on the way. And she just decks him, which is pretty great in comments on how good that felt. That was refreshing. So I actually really enjoyed that scene. I thought that was pretty great. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Back out where Daniel and Teal'c have been continuing to hide out, O'Neill comes back up and says that Connor looks pretty bad. And then he seems not too pleased to realize that Sam has gone in uh, to the camp and has confronted the number one guy there and that now she is being brought in to see Hansen. Oops. 
Sam's taken into the caves to Hansen, who's sitting on a throne that has a lot of bone in it. So I called it his it bone does. throne. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got three women sitting at his feet because, of course, he does. That is a bone yeah. throne. <laughs> <laughs> other <laughs> so there's a greeting you know where they catch up and you know she's like how's it how's going, it going? You know, long time no see you seem to be doing well oh, for yeah. yourself being a god and all you never thought i'd amount to anything what's <laughs> happened to you he talks about how people of this planet have been living in these caves that were once mined and that they've been multiplying like rabbits um, <laughs> yeah. but they don't have the technology to build more caves and they lack the courage, he said, mm. to leave the caves, which seems like a little bit of a weird thing to say to people who clearly yeah. know they're going to die if they spend too much time right. outside. Right. <laughs> it's not so much a matter of courage as common sense. Yeah. So he said this is like a third world country in a bottle. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty gross. So he has set himself up as their savior. Or and believes he is their savior. Mm-hmm. He he does do a moment of these are people like us. These are our people. They're from Earth. We have to help them. But his method of helping them is very questionable. I think. Yes, because he makes it very clear that he is willing to sacrifice many of their lives for the greater good of the society. But they don't necessarily want or need that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She also asks how he can pose as a god, or she mentions the word posing as a god, and he gets mad about that. He's like, I I hate hate that that word, word, posing. I'm not posing. It's a matter of definition. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Right. And then, you know, he talks, he's building a civilization, and there are going to be sacrifices. It's going to be better than cave life. He's creating a great people in his own image, and it's going to be wondrous, and he's super creepy, and he's like, you'll see. Uh, yeah. So Agree. He's, uh, he's got grand plans, and they're all about aggrandizing him. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Outside the cave, the rest of SG-1 are formulating a plan. They're looking around at the people working and seem to be wanting to, like, talk to one of them or take one of them and they do happen to see a guy wander off on his own and he go he's drinking water and they basically surround him and he's a little afraid but they say shh cannot blame him for being afraid no in this moment we go back into the cave and more chatty chatty is happening between sam and hansen Hansen mentions that he wishes he knew what the cave paintings were for, but he can't ask the locals because they think he's a god and he's supposed to know everything. And he continues just to to constantly justify what he's doing by talking about how he's going to accomplish such great things and these people are going to be such a, a great civilization. Sam pulls a gun on him and insists that he come back to Earth with her. And he says that you're going to have to use it because I am not going to go with you. And obviously she doesn't fire they continue to kind of go back and forth a little bit. 
And Hanson says, that's the only way that you're going to stop me. Basically, it's saying that it, the only way that she'll stop him from doing what he's doing is to kill him. Because what are a few deaths for the benefit of all? So he doesn't care if a bunch of people die as long as the society as a whole is better is how he's justifying it. And he keeps taunting her and she's obviously not going to fire and he's getting closer and closer to her knowing that she's not going to be able to fire. So he then very easily is able to take the gun out of her hands. And then he says that Sam essentially had all of the power. He knew that she wasn't going to fire though and she couldn't fire and that really is what exemplifies his strength as a god the fact that she had all the power and he was able to take it away from her he's the worst he really is the worst <laughs> yeah she's just, just the worst eh? yep not wrong no. so back outside sg1 has terrified this poor person named jamala uh, who doesn't want them to kill him and that Jonas said they were evil gods and devils here to destroy them. Jonas being Hanson, we should Yeah, Hanson's first name is Jonas, sorry. Yeah. Yes. They use the yeah, they use the name interchangeably, but yeah. uh, they are the same person. Yes. It, I'm using it interchangeably because that's what I wrote in my notes at that particular moment. Yeah. <laughs> so they do their their we're not gods this is you know, I'm Daniel and O'Neill and this is Teal'c and we're cool and he's lying to you. <laughs> He recognizes Teal'c as a Jaffa, but only from stories. He's never actually met one, so they don't have to worry about the ghoul showing up either. To try to assuage his fears, they try to get Teal'c to smile, which was silly. <laughs> I liked that scene, too. It was not a very convincing smile. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like they it. continue to try to talk him talk him down that they're from far away they're from the same place that jonas or hansen is from that he's just a man just like them not a god but that he's bad the man doesn't really believe them and he says that jonas has promised to save them all by fixing their uv problem not in those words but yeah once the temple is finished he says they're going to make the sky orange and for some reason, orange is really a good thing for their sky and that it will take away the sickness that's been afflicting them. Teal'c knows what's up. <laughs> Teal'c always he knows does. what's up. It's great. Yeah. Back just outside of the cave, we have Hanson, a.k.a. Jonas, talking to Carter about how magnificent the society is going to be. So again, he's basically just saying the same stuff over and over again. And Carter again asks who's going to be left to worship him if he's working everyone literally to death. And he says that, well, they have to believe in me if they're going to survive and if the society is going to become glorious. And he says that eventually Sam will also come around to believing in him. And it's essentially just a matter of time. Back at the camp, the SG-1 camp, Teal'c has a little drawing pad out and he drew a picture of a device that he is aware of that turns the sky orange as Jamala has been talking about and that this device would be able to protect the planet at least part of the planet where they're all living from uv radiation tamala recognizes the drawing and says that he's actually seen it before we go on to i guess a different part of the cave that they were in before and hansen is actually showing that device in question to you sam Mentioning that the Gua'uld left it behind and they used to use it to make the sky orange, which somehow was creating a protective shield from the sun and prevented the sun sickness that 
is what's been killing all of these people and making everybody so sick. But Hansen doesn't actually know how to use it. He figures that Sam, being as smart as she is, should be able to figure out how to make it work. Oh, yeah. And But then he also mentions that since Sam is here, she might as well also stick around to make the device work and then become his goddess after that. <laughs> gross again. He's gross. He is gross. <laughs> he threatens to let everyone die in the sun if she refuses to cooperate. So she doesn't really have much of a choice but to cooperate because she doesn't want to let everyone die if he continues to work them to death out in the extreme UV radiation. Hansen apparently has been carrying a Bible with him on all his various missions up to this point, and he takes it out of his pocket at this point and says that all along he's been looking for God, and here I am. Ah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it just, yeah, I was just like, ugh, what an idiot. Yeah. He said that. I was like, come on. It's, it's a little over the top. <laughs> it was a little just... bit, yeah. Um, the other thing that not only was he going to kill all of the people, but he said he was going to kill Sam and himself too. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Um, I only mentioned that because there's something later that sort of. Yeah. No, that's a valid point that I did forget to mention. <laughs> so that is so, worth bringing up. Thank you. <laughs> so crazy. Yes. So then we're back with SG-1. Tilk and Jamala are having a chat. Jamala's asking Tilk about the gold. He's like, you betrayed your gods. And, you know, Tilk's like, as he always says, he's, they're not gods. He says, having power doesn't make one a god. O'Neill and Jamala have swapped clothing. And O'Neill is planning to go get Connor before he dies. Tilk reveals that they need two devices in order for the orange sky to happen. And they only know where one is. But Tilk's drawing again. He's drawn a little map of this valley that they're in. And plots out locations of the Stargates and the caves. And he manages to figure out where this other device will probably be. O'Neill goes after Connor alone because he does not believe Connor has much time. And Tilk and Daniel... And Jamala are tasked with finding the other device. One thing I wanted to add in here is that as they're looking at the drawing Tilk made, Jamala is like, what a good, good drawing. drawing. And Tilk just looks so pleased <laughs> and says, thank, thank you. you. And I just thought it was the cutest thing. Like, it, you know, it didn't really add. Well, I guess it added to the scene because I thought it was adorable. Yeah. But like. It just seemed like such a random extra thing to add in there, but I, it was good. I really laughed. I laughed at that. I thought it was really cute. <laughs> it was good. I, 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 did, I did enjoy that. I did not write about it, but I enjoyed it. Out in the forest, Daniel, Teal'c, and Jamala are off in search of the second device. They come across some ruins that are made of stone and too solid to dig through, but there seems to be like a circle or some sort of a stone covering in the floor of the ruins that they think is where the device might be. So they back up a little bit. Tilk blasts through it with his staff weapon and it explodes open. And in, in fact, the device is in there and they are hoping that it still works. I'm glad that device specifically only shot that cap and not actually hurt the device below. I <laughs> yes, that would have been oh, bad really? if the weapon had either shot the device or the stone pieces had fallen on it and broken yeah. it. But woohoo, go teal. But conveniently that didn't yeah. happen. 
because uh, Teal'c is a great shot, which brings us to our other great shot, O'Neill, who goes back into the worksite with its horrifying tink-tink sounds. <laughs> and he perfectly shoots a guard with a... I don't know what you call... He blows the dart through a yeah. stick. It's a blowgun. A blowgun, thank you. Yeah. He uh-huh. does that perfectly, shoots the guy from far away, right in the chest. Yeah. Yeah, that was surprisingly good aim for something that I would not think you could aim very well right. with. Has, has he had a lot of blowgun experience? <laughs> Maybe he has. Who Maybe knows? when he was a kid, he was an expert spitball marksman, and then it mm, just went be. on from there. It ballooned. <laughs> He's got awards. He does. <laughs> He'll show them to you sometime when we're back on Earth. <laughs> um, he manages to... <laughs> Once he shoots down the guard, he manages to make his way to Connor who and untie him. And Connor, Connor is looking pretty bad, but he's still okay enough to walk, which is good. Um, he actually even asks O'Neill to kill him before he realizes that O'Neill's there to rescue him, and it's going to happen. So they they walk away slowly from the site where he's just rescued Connor, mm-hmm. but O'Neill tries to speed them up. But he they are found. And I think number one takes his weapons. Yeah. yeah. And they're led away. Oh, oh. But, and before they, they get completely taken away, O'Neill mouths off and gets hit. Of course. <laughs> because he's O'Neill. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Back inside the cave, Sam is taking some readings and continuing to talk to Hanson. O'Neill's brought in and Hanson orders that he be shot. But of course, Sam's like, uh, you can't do that. And he says that he's going to spare O'Neill if Sam will turn the device on. So, of course, she does because she wants to spare Jack's life. Jack wants him to uh, spare his life, too. He, like, makes this little gesture with his hands at her. He does, yeah. (laughs) He's like, yes, please, please turn the thing on. (laughs) Uh, So Daniel's got the second device. He's brushing it off. They're not sure if it's going to work, but I guess it's go time because Jamala says they've been ordered to meet at the Stargate, everyone. So then we meet at the Stargate. At the Stargate, Jonas slash Hansen. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like we're talking about boy bands now. <laughs> he gets the, both of them, Jonas and Hansen. Like there's Jonas Brothers and yeah. then there's Hansen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Jonas, I'm going to go with because that's what I wrote. Uh, all right. Yeah. Whatever. So Jonas has gathered everyone at the Stargate. Which is now on its side. Yes, it is laying down. It wasn't before. It's true. And he's got his device there, and he's also got O'Neill and Connor standing there very clearly, like, prisonery, and Carter is standing off to the side, too, while his followers are surrounding the gate. Oh, and then he starts a big speech about how this is a great day, and he has all of the power, and he is going to help you. He is very pleased yes. with himself. All the time and yes. how powerful he is. He he reminds me of certain politicians that I won't mention, yeah. but that's what I was thinking about a lot this whole episode and especially in this yeah. scene. He talks he talks about how he has the power to uh, to to use the Stargate and he's going to use it to send the devils back where they came from. And he dials the gate. <laughs> I wrote he's a super dick. <laughs> he is a super dick carter points out that sending them home is going to kill them without the uh code to get home 
And right. The code to open the iris. And he's like, don't ruin my moment. Please, Sam. I'm having a moment here. <laughs> God. Yep. <laughs> Life yeah. schmife. Don't ruin my moment with technicalities of this killing people. Yeah. He continues in his speeching. Speech. Speeching. <laughs> speech. <laughs> he continues his, uh, his grand speech. I am the Lord, your God. There is nothing I cannot do. No yeah. one's greater than me, more powerful. And then he orders them to be thrown in. But just in the nick of time, Daniel arrives. Stop! Woo! And Jamala shoots Tilk's weapon towards Jonas. The whole thing just kind of stops for a second. Mm-hmm. And Jonas pulls a gun. But then Carter stops him by doing this crazy kick. <laughs> a very uh poor choice of ways to disarm somebody <laughs> i will say i have never disarmed anyone <laughs> or been trained to i've had some training in it I, I can't say that i'm good at it but this would not be your first choice of kick to like you wouldn't necessarily kick someone to disarm them anyway yeah. because they could shoot you by the time that you kicked them unless you're really speedy but especially if you're doing like a weird double kick combination <laughs> like she does. <laughs> I think he was too focused on uh, shooting Daniel or shooting Jamala to notice. Yes, because apparently it works anyway, yeah. despite the fact that she was really kind of telegraphing what she was going to be doing with this kick. So if he had been paying any attention, he should have seen it coming way before she was actually able to hit him and disarm him with it. But don't worry, he hits her. He does. Yeah, yeah really hard yeah. too. <laughs> Fortunately, he is thwarted by uh, Jamala who stops him with another wide shot and then Daniel explains that Jonas is not a god this gun he has is not magic it's a machine and so is the machine that they're going to use to make the sky orange while this is happening Jonas is being like don't listen to them blah 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 I'm a god and O'Neill's like slowly untying his hands mm-hmm he Jonas then says he's fulfilling his promise and activates the orange beam that comes out of the, or activates the device and an orange beam shoots out of it. Daniel demonstrates then that it is in fact a machine that anyone can operate by sending a signal to Teal'c using his staff gun. They shoot it off into the air and Teal'c sees it and activates the second device and then an orange dome covers this covers the area yeah so that was pretty that was that was pretty 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 cool daniel pretty cool tilk yeah good yeah it worked it It did jonas then decides murder suicide is his only option (laughs) grabs carter and tries to make a a break for the gate but great 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 he maybe forgot that O'Neill was still standing right there because O'Neill <laughs> knocks him down, knocks him off of the uh, the platform, and he ends up being swept off by his f- former worshippers. So they are a very fickle group. Uh, who, but you know, you can't really blame them. True. <laughs> and they throw him into the uh, wormhole to certain death. Although perhaps they don't know that that is what's going to happen, but. Well, he has been telling them that the SG-1 team are demons and that sending them through the portal will be sending them back to hell. So I think that they probably just assume that that's where Hansen now has gone. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Carter stands there. She looks a little bit sad, and the people of the planet cheer. Woo! There was much rejoicing. Yay. <laughs> Yay. A little bit later on, SG-1 is getting ready to go home. O'Neill asks if they should tell the locals to bury the gate after they leave, but Tilk doesn't really think that that's necessary. He doesn't think that the Gua'uld are going to try to come back to this planet. Daniel says that they should probably check on these people at some point in the future, but Sam has a good point in saying, I think we've done enough uh, to these people, so maybe we just leave them alone. Yeah. O'Neill asks Sam what's wrong because she's seeming pretty down, and she says she feels bad for not ending it sooner when she had the chance because Hanson had literally been saying, shoot me, shoot me, that's the only way you're going to end this is to shoot me, and was taunting her. But that made me realize, like, would that really have changed a whole lot, though? Because he only ended up dying, like, a few hours or maybe a day later. It's not like this was weeks that had gone by. It was, like, (laughs) a few hours or maybe a day at the most. And I don't think any additional locals on the planet died or that anybody really sustained any additional injuries as the result of those extra few hours. So I I was unclear as to why she really felt as bad as she did that she didn't just murder (laughs) Hanson, who was clearly suffering from some psychological issues. Good point. Good question. (laughs) Thank you. O'Neill does rightfully point out that every time you kill someone, you get a little step closer to being somebody like Hanson, because he was willing to kill people for very little reason. Yeah. O'Neill checks with Shamala and asks if he's going to be okay. And Shamala says that, yeah, they seem like they're they're going to be pretty good. And then mentions the world outside the caves is very big, which also got me to wondering how far can they really go? Because the dome <laughs> that we just saw coming down was not that big. Like it, it covered a decent area, but definitely didn't cover the entire planet. It kind of just covered the area around where they're living. Good so. point. They made it sound like they were free to wander the planet now, but that definitely doesn't seem to be the case based on the image that they showed of that dome. No. No. Last but not least, Daniel dials home and SG goes through and we hear them whooshing on back to Earth. End of episode. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what did you think of this one? How did you like this one? So I'm not... I'm not, I'm a little bit torn on it. I kind of, mm-hmm. en- I enjoyed watching it, but yeah. there were parts of it that I had a little, I had some issue with. Mostly that mm-hmm. I had a hard time buying how maniacally evil that Jonas Hansen was. And I'm not sure yeah. how much of that is covered by the fact that most of my life he's been Alan Matthews, nice dad <laughs> from Boy Meets World. <laughs> That's but fair. I all I did when he was in um this actor was also in American History X and he played a super oh, racist yeah. fireman dad who I mean he dies but he doesn't have a big part in that right. movie but um I bought that so maybe it's just yeah I don't know I think maybe part of it too is that I'm not sure I buy this backstory engagement with Carter like I just couldn't see Carter yeah falling for somebody like this but I suppose if you're so much you know, such a terrible person that you probably have no qualms about hiding who you are to kind of draw people into you. Right. I kind of got the impression that he wasn't necessarily quite as terrible a person. Like, from everything that Sam said, it didn't sound like he was a very good person, and that's kind of what ended things, but it sounds like he wasn't really quite this terrible until he spent, like, those couple days 
out in the sun looking for the boy who had wandered yeah, off. Yeah, but she also was like, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that. She did actually say that she wasn't surprised that this any of this happened. So I mean, this is... <laughs> that also brings up some questions. Yeah, I mean, it, it, most people aren't like, oh, man, I could really see this guy setting himself up as a god, you know, somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just hints of yeah. hints of the character in there, but yeah. Um, so Fair yeah, point. I don't know. I don't. I I think I kind of. I think I liked the episode, but I just felt a little weird about some of it. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. I definitely liked it a lot more than the last couple episodes. There, there were definitely parts that were problematic. As I said, there were parts that that kind of reminded me a bit of modern day politics, even though this doesn't really have. A whole lot to do with what is happening uh yeah. now on uh, a political scale it still kind of reminded me of various things and people that made it a little hard to watch a little cringy to watch for me at some points yeah. but overall i thought that it was an enjoyable episode i definitely laughed a couple points as i mentioned before with tilk just being yeah. great so overall yeah. I did like this episode and for sure thought it was better than the last couple that I you know I had a lot of complaints about. Um, I have one more thing to add to this. Yes. The sun transitions between scenes. Every uh-huh. single time that went up there, all I could hear was uh, John Candy going, nice right. dissolve from Spaceballs. <laughs> yes. Nice. Just- <laughs> Because they they used it a few times, so I was just <laughs> every single time. It's all I could think about. That's great. I love that movie. Me too. <laughs> so, what do we have coming up next? What is our what next is episode? Our next. What is our next episode? Let me. What is our next episode? Let me pull it up. Coming up, the next episode. Ooh, I can't read. There's a glare. Hold on. The next episode is called Brief Candle. Is it called Brief Candle? I thought it was something about crystals. I this this booklet says Brief Candle. Oh, you're looking at the DVD yeah, booklet? Yeah, because First Commandment was this one. I'm I'm probably just misremembering. There was a picture of a blue crystal when I was looking at this screenshot uh-huh. from it. So. Oh, the the crystal one's the next one. After that. Oh, weird. Okay, yeah. So the order I have is Brief Candle, Cold Lazarus, and then Thor's Hammer. Okay, but that's specifically in the booklet yes, for the DVD. Yes, for okay. the, the Complete Series Collector's Edition DVD. What does IMDb say? I don't know. I'm just yeah, gonna check real do quick. it. Do it. I am doing it. I just had to repeat it in Emperor. <laughs> Children of the Gods, Enemy Within Emancipation, The Broken Divide, The First Commandment, Cold Lazarus. They have listed as being next, and that is the one that I also remember as being next. And then they have the Knox, and then Brief Candle is listed as being the eighth Holy one. Holy shit, that is not the the order that... Wow, I have it as Brief Candle, Cold Lazarus, Thor's Hammer, Torments of Tantalus, Bloodlines, Fire and Water, then the Knox. That's weird. Why are these so different? Does that mean we have to make decisions about what we're watching in what order? Well, I'm glad the first few were the same without any sort of craziness. Um, I'm curious how, sorry, I'm also curious how Hulu has it. Just because I want to, like, I don't know. Do you want to yeah, check? I'm to check. And we'll take a consensus? Yeah. Oh, that large, uh, emancipation, broker divide, first committee. Yeah, this one goes by Cold Lazarus, Knox. Yeah, so consensus needs to be not the way this is doing it. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's episode airing order. Is that what we're going with? 
Um, yeah, I guess so. So, Kathy, what happens in Cold Lazarus? Or do you not know? And I need to talk oh, about I can, that. Oh, I can tell you. Okay. A strange crystal strikes down O'Neill, replacing him with a double that returns with the team to Earth to find the cause of O'Neill's private grief, his son's death. But the double is dangerously unstable. Can O'Neill return home to save everyone and prevent chaos? Hmm. Sounds heavy. I think I remember it being more amusing than that description makes it sound, but I also might be wrong because it's been a while since I've watched. I can't remember. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. I just remember like yellow sand or something. That is, I don't remember yellow sand, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it might not even be yellow. Who knows? Maybe not. Do we have anything else to uh, say? I, no. <laughs> I got nothing. All right. Well, please make sure that you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much any podcatcher. And reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, are greatly appreciated because they help others to find our podcasts. If you are looking to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email at stargatesing, S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E-Z-I-N-G at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at stargatesing. You can also like and share our Facebook page. And this is a labor of love, so if you're liking what you're hearing and you're feeling generous, please head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash stargatesing. Donations help us to cover production costs, as well as building a new website that we are hoping to build in the very near future. And eventually, when we have enough donors, we're going to start releasing some bonus episodes for them as well. I am Mary, and... I am Kathy. This has been Stargatesing. The end. The end. Hello, microphone. If you had COVID, I would get it. <laughs> Thankfully, it is an inanimate object that cannot exhale or cough on it you. It is true. And where would it have picked it up, really? But um, also don't like it just to be on the safe side. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, where would it have gotten? I don't know what happens when I'm not home, so anybody could be in I here. cough on it because I have your house key. <laughs> <laughs> so I drive all the way there, go into your house... I wear a mask in the hallway to be respectful of your neighbors, but then I take it off, <laughs> cough all over your stuff, and then leave. <laughs> You're a monster. Yeah, I am. I gotta pass the time somehow, because, you know, you saw my schedule that I just sent. That's I'm not busy true. enough, so...